Thank you, Pastor Jared. Thank you, guys. You can grab your seats. Are you glad you made it to church this morning? Awesome. That is good. I'm glad I made it to church too. I got sick a little bit earlier on in the week. I had the man flu. So uh, if I sound a little bit, you know, nasally or whatever, you'll just have to forgive me. I'll try and stand back here so I don't get spit on you in the sort of the front row there um, just to share it on. But, uh, you know, I had a little bit of the man flu, got over that. Praise God. So we're all good. Hey, um, this morning, I wanted to start off with asking you a question, which I hope you all say yes to, because it's going to be awkward if you don't. Have you ever faced a challenge in your life? Yes, we've all faced a challenge in our life. Maybe you faced a physical challenge. Maybe you faced a mental challenge. Usually it's both, mental, physical challenges. But the kind of challenges that just maybe they rock you to your core and you think, oh man, this is really tough. And we have all sorts of challenges that we'll face in life. And often we talk about athletes and the challenges that they endure in their regime to win the trophy or win the race or win the prize, whatever it is that they're striving for. And the thing with athletes is that they will push their bodies and their minds beyond the limits that they once thought possible. They'll lift heavier weights, they'll run harder, run faster, climb higher mountains. They'll do all sorts of things in order to win the prize. But here's the fact, right? When challenges come particularly when we're talking about athletes, when challenges come, if they don't do any training and they don't do any preparation for the challenge, chances are they're going to lose, right? Chances are they're not going to be able to complete it. They're not going to win the challenges. They have to train. And uh, I had the opportunity uh, some time ago to be part of a, a quite an incredible challenge called the Kokoda Challenge. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of it. Not the Kokoda Trail, the one that you go overseas and they send young people over. The Kokoda Challenge was actually a challenge for uh, raising money to send those young people over there and have life-changing experiences and a whole bunch of things. But the Kokoda Challenge itself, the challenge was a 100-kilometre walk through the hinterland of the Gold Coast. Yes, that's right. You heard me right. 100 kilometres, not 10 kilometres, 100 kilometres through the hinterland of the Gold Coast. So up and down hills and mountains, in through valleys, rocky crevices, some pretty difficult terrain through some of it. 100 kilometres. To put that in perspective, if you walked four kilometres on average per hour, it would take you 25 hours to complete. 25 hours solid. The rules of the challenge were pretty uh, simple. So you had to walk uh, solid. You couldn't stop. So there was no sleeping, there was no, you know, you could have brief little pit stops, you know, if you need to relieve yourself. Um, I know there were people who were wearing bags and all sorts of things because they didn't want to stop. But uh, you could have a few food breaks, but preferably take them on the, like, on, as you're going, you know. You, you basically weren't allowed to stop and you had to complete 100 kilometres, no more than 40 hours, maximum 40 hours, otherwise you're out, but as quickly as you possibly can. Now, of course, with a challenge like that, you can't just rock up on the day and expect to be able to walk 100 kilometres. No, you've got to train. And so as a team, we did a whole lot of training. We went up and down. The funny thing about it is, is we actually went up and down higher mountains through our training than what we did when we actually came to the challenge. We walked more kilometres through the training than what we actually did when it come time for the big day. Life's kind of like that, right? We have to train, we have to prepare for the challenges that life is going to send our way. And quite often between challenges, we get, we get a little bit of time. It's not always bam, 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 challenge after challenge. We actually get a little bit of time. So what are we doing in that time to prepare ourselves for the challenges that we're going to face in life? I uh, have a privilege this morning of being able to share with you. I think a great place to start is in the Bible. Would you agree? 
I think that the Bible has a whole lot of things contained within its pages. God speaking to us about how we can get through the challenges that life's going to send our way. And I'm a bit of a storyteller, so we're going to go on a journey together this morning. I get to share with you the story of a young man who had a whole lot of challenges to face in his life. He had giants to kill, and we're going to learn from him and how he trusted God with all of that. But before we do, why don't we bow our heads, close our eyes, and we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that we are able to come together and learn and be encouraged and grow and listen to the words that you would have to say to us. We have open hearts this morning, so God, we let you in. We let you in to speak to us, grow us, encourage us this morning as we stand together. In Jesus' name, amen. Very cool. Well, you might have guessed it, we are going to be talking about the story of David and Goliath from 1 Samuel. Now, many of you guys have probably heard this story before uh, about David and Goliath. He was a young man who went on to face this giant, and you know, you might have heard it back in Sunday school back in the day, you might have heard it in any number of different places. It's a pretty famous story, really, because it's so crazy, it's such an amazing event that took place. But the thing about these things is, is often we just kind of skim the surface. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard that story. I know that story. But recently, as of right now, I'm going through some incredible challenges in my life. But as I was reading this story, God really encouraged me to stop and take a moment to just dig a little bit deeper into the story, to understand what was really going on. And I think there's some incredible things that we can learn from young David and the way that he walked with God and the things that God showed him about how to face the challenges in our lives. Is that cool? Raise your hand if you want to be a giant killer. You want to be a giant killer? Raise your hand if you're going through a challenge right now that seems scary or uh, insurmountable. A few of you in the building? Awesome. Well, you are in good company this morning. I believe we're all going through challenges. And if you're not right now, you certainly will one day. And so David was another one who was going through this incredible challenge in his life. And we're going to pick up the story right from the beginning where uh, Samuel was told by God to go and find the next king of Israel, the man God had chosen for that challenge. So see if you can relate to this or if it's just me. 1 Samuel chapter 16 verses 6 through 11 says, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Elab and thought, here he is, God's anointed. But God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed by his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges people differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face, but God looks into the heart. So Jesse called up Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. Samuel said, this, isn't, uh, this man isn't God's choice either. Next, Jesse presented Shammah. Samuel said, no, this man isn't it either. Jesse presented his seven sons to Samuel, and Samuel was blunt with Jesse. God hasn't chosen any of these. So then, Jesse, uh, uh, then he asked Jesse, is this it? Are there no more sons? Well, yes, there's the runt, but he's out tending the sheep. So Samuel ordered Jesse, go get him. We're not moving from this spot until he's here. The runt of the litter, eh? The runt of the litter. The least likely to succeed. You know, that was the thing about David. He was the youngest. He wasn't necessarily the strongest or the fittest or the bravest or any of the things. As a matter of fact, God, uh, David didn't have a lot of the life skills, a lot of the uh, physical combat skills. He didn't have a whole lot of anything really to bring to the table. He was just a young shepherd boy. But yet God said, no, 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 this man is the man for the challenge. This man is going to take down the giant. 
You know what I can believe we can learn? The first thing we can learn from David that he did have, the one thing that he did have was faith. He had faith. He had faith that his God was bigger than the giant that he had to face. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Can I tell you, church, you don't have to be a giant to be a giant killer. You don't have to be a giant to kill a giant. When you're weak, he is strong. When you can't do it, he can. We just have to take our stand on him and know that all we need is our little bit of faith. That's all David brought to the table. Maybe you're sitting there right now thinking, man, I don't really have a whole lot to bring to the table. Like God, maybe you know God's calling you to a challenge. Maybe you're going through a challenge right now and you're like, I just don't have anything. I don't have anything to bring to the table. Well, if you've got Jesus living on the inside of you, you've got the one and only thing that you need to bring to that fight. Faith. Jesus told us that faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. I don't know if you've ever looked at a mustard seed or know what that is, but it's really tiny. It's like a few grains of sand in size, so tiny. Yet Jesus says that little bit of faith, that can speak to the mountain and tell it to move. That little bit of faith. That little bit of faith, you know what that tells me about faith? It tells me that we don't need any more faith than what we already have. We just need to learn how to use the faith that we have already inside of us. And you know, the incredible thing about that little drop of faith is we didn't even bring it to the table in the first place. God gave it to us so that we could hold true and hold tight to him in the face of the giant. And you might say to me, well, that's great, Adam. I'd I'd love to keep faith, but what even is faith? What does that really mean? Well, the dictionary defines faith this way, complete trust or confidence in someone or something. I think Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says it even better. Faith, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. What does all of this mean? Well, it means that you can rest assured on the promises of God. If God has said He will get you through, then He will get you through. When was the last time He ever let you down? If you really think about it, when was the last time God ever let you down? I don't know about you, but I've let myself down, but he has never let me down. God never lets us down. And so if, if uh, seeing is believing, faith is believing without seeing. It's knowing that we don't necessarily have to see the victory. We just know it's there. We don't necessarily have to see the challenge beaten. We just have to know by faith that we have already won because of what God has done in and through us and because of the faith that we have. So David had incredible faith. That's the number one thing that he brought to the fight. A little bit further along in the story, we see that David has been anointed by Samuel uh, to be king of Israel, but he's not there yet, obviously. And he finds himself in the king's service going to visit Israel's army. Let's keep reading. First Samuel chapter 17, 21 to 24. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Right there, in that moment, I think David demonstrated the second thing that we need to be able to take down our giants and our Goliath. Because right there in that moment, David's heart was set alight. 
his spirit was burning because of what he had heard that giant say, and he gained incredible focus, incredible focus in that moment to stare down at the giant and go, that's my fight. That one's mine, guys. David had identified a fight worth fighting, and he had gained his focus. Colossians 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. David had recognized a fight worth fighting. He saw that giant. He knew in that moment, he's like, God has called me for such a time as this. This challenge is mine. Can I ask you, where is your focus this morning, church? Are you focused on the things of heaven or are you focused on the challenges of life? Because if you look to the left, if you look to the right, if you look in front of you, behind you, you will find challenges everywhere. There are challenges everywhere. But not every single mountain, not every single giant is yours to kill. We need to gain incredible focus to know which one is our fight. Which hill are we going to stand on and take down the giant? Because God has that hill for you, but we have to be able to focus in on the things of heaven and know which fight is our fight. Goliath was shouting all sorts of taunts and telling the Israelite army that their God was pathetic and, you know, their God couldn't do anything and all these different things. And so David was just like, nah, that's enough. I'm done. I've had enough with this. I know this is my fight. This is my time. God has called me. And so it takes uh, quite a lot of uh, faith to be able to stand there and say, I'm going to do this. But it also takes wisdom and focus to know that this is my fight. This is the one that God has called me for. What are we focusing on this morning? We need to have faith. We need to have focus. And the story now is sort of coming near a climax. And so David's learned to hang on to his faith. He's honed his focus. And the upcoming battle is on its way. And we pick up the story, 1 Samuel 17, 38 to 40. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch on his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Now, I'd like to point out something in this part of the story. You won't read those words in the Bible, but here we have David just about, the big day is here. The challenge has come. He's been preparing for this. He knew it was coming. God's told him, here he is. The big day has arrived. And you won't find these words in the Bible, but I reckon in that moment, there had to be some fear in David, right? Because, you know, on the surface, it would seem that David was fearless. He's like, yep, I'm heading into this fight. I'm going to beat this giant. But this same David was the same David that no sooner had he defeated Goliath, he turned around and ran with his tail between his legs in fear from Saul, the king, the current king, who was too afraid to go and kill the giant. doesn't really make sense. Now, I think David had some fear, but what counts is what you do with that fear. Fear can anchor us to God because when we're anchored to him, we don't need to fear anymore. David actually said in Psalms 23 verse 4, he wrote, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I think that David was afraid for a moment. He had to be, right? We all get scared when we see our giants, when we see the hill that we have to climb. We all get scared. But 
even though he might have been afraid of the giant, David remembered one thing that was even more important than the fear that he had of the giant. He knew that the giant was way more scared of his God. The giant was way more scared of his God than he was of the giant. And so no matter what giant you face in life, no matter what opposition you may face, the fear that you have is surpassed by the fear that the enemy has that you might actually succeed. And the fact is, is God's already gone before. Faith tells us that God has already gone before me. He's already won this battle. He's got this victory in the bag. It's already signed, sealed, delivered. So I don't need to fear anymore. And that is when, can I tell you, church, that is when you are absolutely unstoppable. You are absolutely unstoppable when you realize and recognize that God has already won the fight for you. The final thing which I've noticed about David and the battle that he's now in is he had no plan B. He had absolutely no plan B. It was plan A or nothing. He had those five stones, he had his God, and that was it. Because can I tell you, if plan A didn't pan out, he was a dead man. He was going into a fight with a giant with a few stones. And when you think about that, and the Bible actually says it was the first stone that got Goliath, but he had five shots, right? He, bing, ding. And I could just imagine that if what God wasn't in that situation, I know if it was me and I, God wasn't with me and I was off on a tangent on my own, I'd throw those stones, they'd ting off his helmet, and then that'd be it. David had no plan B. It was God's way or no way. No plan B for the giant that he had to face. And so, I don't know about you, but I think that we need to be the same way in our lives. We've got to have faith. We've got to have focus We need to utilize our fear to anchor us to God, and we need to stay fast, stay true to the plan. God told me some years ago, and he continues to tell me this again and again whenever I face a new challenge, but uh, some years ago, I was going through a serious challenge, and God had told me, "This this is the path for you. This is the mountain I have for you to climb, and I want you to do an Elisha. And for me at the time, I was like, I don't even know what that means. And so I opened up the Bible to find out what Elisha did and, and what this man had done. And anyway, the thing about Elisha was he was just a farmer. He was nothing special. I'm not a farmer, but he was like me. He was nothing special. He didn't have a whole lot to bring to the table. But God had said, you are going to be anointed. You are the next prophet to Israel. I have things for you to do. And so here's my plan A. Here's the road. I want you to burn the plows. He was a farmer. So I want you to burn all the plows, get rid of all the cattle, Give away your farm, forget it, burn it all, leave it in the rear view and never look back. Plan A or no plan at all. David recognized that he didn't need anything external to assure his victory, just faith, focus and fear. And you know what they all bring together? They bring freedom. They bring freedom. When we put our trust and faith in him, we surrender our agendas and just focus on the things of heaven, then we will recognize we have nothing to fear with God on our side. And then we have true freedom. We can have freedom to just walk in his presence, freedom to walk with him on the challenges and the road ahead that life is, is uh, bringing you. Think about it now. I want you to bring this to your attention. Bring it to the forefront of your mind, the challenges that you're facing right now, because you know what they are. You know you're facing a challenge. You know you've got something going on in life. Maybe you haven't reached it yet. Maybe you're in that preparation time, but something's coming. There's always something coming. Maybe you don't know what's coming, but I can promise you something's coming. Something is coming. But now is the time to prepare. Now is the time to take hold of faith 
and just trust wholly in your God. Now is the time to focus in on the things that He is saying. Let's not be afraid. Let's not need to have a plan B. Let's have plan A. Won't you stand with me? We're going to do something this morning as an act of surrender to God and as an act of obedience. Why don't you raise your hands this morning? If you know that you have a challenge, you're going through a challenge, you know there's things in your life that you need God's help with because on your own, you cannot do it. On your own, the challenge, the mountain looks uh, completely impassable. It looks beyond us and it probably is, but it's never beyond God. It's never beyond His reach and what He can do. So why don't you raise your hand, lift it to heaven this morning. We're going to pray. Father, this morning, we are so thankful for Your grace towards us. We are so, so thankful for Your grace and the strength that You give to us. There are challenges ahead. We know that. But we stand together as a church, as a family, just knowing that it doesn't matter what is ahead, we know that we know that you have already signed, sealed the victory. We have victory in you for every challenge, for every giant, no matter what it is that we are going to face here and now or in the future, we know that through you we have victory. So we stand in faith together to believe that you are God. We focus in on the things of heaven. We focus in on your path, your plan, your picture for our lives, God. We focus our eyes, fix our hearts on you. And we use the fear to anchor ourselves to you, God, because we know we don't need to fear when you're involved. The enemy quakes when you're involved, but we don't have to. No plan Bs, just you. We stand together, we believe it. We encourage each other this morning. May the words on our lips be nothing but encouragement for each other to know your love and your grace all the more each and every day. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Well, the team is going to take us out with one more song, but can I encourage you to sing with everything within you, to sing with your spirit and just know that your God is in control, right? Your God is in control. Somebody needs to know that this morning. Your God is in control. Things might be completely out of control for you, but your God is in control. He's never been out of control. It's always been in His hands. He's got you. He's got you this morning.